0: Hello, hello. Welcome to Built on Hope, a brand new podcast dedicated to competitive Imperial Assault. I'm your host, Isaac, and in the actual number one episode, yeah, technically we had a number zero episode before, but it was an introductory one, doesn't really count. In the actual first episode, I believe you guys are in for an absolute doozy. David has prepared a knowledge and defense section for you for you today. And yeah, this uh this the element we are going to bring up is very interesting I, I was really pleased when david uh, david suggested it so i think you guys are gonna love it so speaking of them let's um let's have david come on how are you
1: doing david hello listeners uh it's david i'm really looking forward to talking to you guys a little bit about what we call psychographic profiles later in the show uh but before we do that i believe isaac and jessica still have some more bits to share with you
0: oh absolutely we have a set of news and a couple of tournaments just to we're not going to go into any reports or details or anything but there have been some tournaments that have happened and some tournaments which, which will be upcoming in the future so just going to touch on those and yeah speaking of jess hello jess how are you doing
2: hello i'm i'm good thank you really excited to get started and uh really get stuck in brilliant well
0: exact same here so um i suppose i'll just kick us off with the news section so i think one of the biggest pieces of news we had uh is that we have tomas or loop on the forums um has just won the italian nationals a a while ago um not quite sure when this podcast is exactly going to come out so it was either a week ago or two weeks ago but um essentially uh, tomas managed to win the italian national championships with what was it again?
1: it was an IG list, wasn't it? Oh uh, yeah, it was an IG list, and I think he was undefeated the entire day. So congrats to Highly impressive. Yeah. Congratulations to We have some other news as well. Um,
0: first off, the IACP regional kits have been announced. Uh, there's a full up there's a full-on article about them, which you can read on the IACP website. Um, I'm not going to read the whole article or anything, but what I am going to do is I'm going to let you guys know that there is a deadline for the for the trophy if you are looking to purchase a ICP kit uh, ICP regional kit, sorry, and you want to host an ICP regional in your area or even in, in, in another area. If you do wish to order a trophy as well, the hard deadline for for any trophy orders is the 11th of October 2019. The kits are expected to arrive on the 1st of November, and then we will be distributing them. But essentially, if you, if you do want a regional championships with a trophy, make sure you put in your order before the 11th of October. I would still recommend putting in the order before the 11th of October, if, even if you're not planning on buying a trophy, but th- there's no deadline. So you, you can still order one afterwards. Um, so that's no problem at all. Um, other news it's it's been a big it's been a big news week we also have the iacp community kits announced so the icp what the iacp community kits are i touched on them in the previous episode but what the icp community kits are is that they can be used for a variety of different reasons the main idea however is to use them as a learn to play ia event essentially it's a rebuilding the community type of tournament So it's not really a tournament it's more of an event so to speak so essentially you could advertise it in your local area and then say if you have any kill team or underworlds or any other skirmish game communities in your area you could advertise it to them and say hey we've got the icp here if you want to come and learn the game we've got some promos for you and you'll be sure to have a good time um so that's the main purpose of the community kit uh the contents are not they're not quite confirmed yet we've definitely got a couple of old art cards in there there might be some tokens as well that still hasn't been confirmed might be confirmed by the time of publishing of this podcast but at the time of recording it's not quite confirmed yet another piece of big news is that the IACP season 2 version 2.2 is now out so there have been a couple of recosts rechanges just to season 2 they've just been meddled a little bit with um some things the steering committee thought was overpowered Some things the Syrian committee thought was underpowered, and yeah, they just tried to balance Season 2.2 just a little bit. And yeah, the final piece of news we have, which also is IACP related, is that the IACP Season 2 Testing League number 2 starts on the 30th of September. The sign-ups are now open, so you can definitely go join that Vassal League, so the league is on Vassal. So essentially, you'll be able to try out all of the all of the new changes and everything, regardless of whether you have have the cards or have the models yourself. You'll get the opportunity to get into a league with a bunch of players internationally. I'm playing in, in it, and I know a bunch of other people are as well. These kind of leagues are always a bunch of fun. If you haven't tried them before, I would highly recommend it. I know Vassal isn't the ideal place you want to play, IA, but for these kind of kinds of leagues. Vassal is just a great place for it because you get to meet so many people. It's it's such a great thing. Um, It's um planning on being five weeks of Swiss and it's going to end on the 3rd of November. So yeah, I think it's going to be a great time. So if you guys can spare the time to get one game in a week and sometimes you don't have time, that's completely fine. You can just concede your game in a week if you're too busy. But just one game a week for five weeks. I think you guys are going to have a good time if you do decide to go for it. And that wraps up the news segment. There was a ton, uh, but not, not too much. So that's good. On to the next segment we will be bringing up is organized play. Jess, would you like to discuss organized play for us?
2: Yep, okay, so we've got a lot of things coming up. So I have them in kind of chronological order of what's coming up soon and what's going to be coming up in the future. So in terms of nationals, so this is official FFG nationals for organized play. We've got French nationals coming up. That's the 4th and 5th of October. Um, So, Isaac, you said you were thinking of going, right?
0: Yes. um, We actually have a UK contingent of three players who are planning on going. Myself, Alistair, and Mark.
2: Yeah, so if you want to see Isaac show up to French nationals. (laughs) There is Australian nationals, 12th of October. Um, Unfortunately, we don't really know too many people from the Australian uh, IA community, so can't talk too much about that one. Uh, Spanish nationals is coming up the 1st through the 3rd of November. David, are we still thinking of going to Spanish nationals?
1: Uh, It's a possibility, let's say. My travel schedule is a bit nuts, so we'll have to decide later.
2: Yeah, so we may show up to that one. Um, Also, we have Polish nationals coming up 23rd to 24th of November. And there's the big Las Vegas Open coming up in January, 24th to the 26th of January. So that's it for um, my official FFG Organized Play news. Um, Now, in terms of IACP events, uh, so David has been organizing a UK regional. Uh, Do you want to talk about that really briefly, David?
1: Um, Yeah. So this will be hosted at the Jury's Inn Hotel in Milton Keynes on the 17th of November. Uh, it'll use an IACP regional kit and we're going to kind of have it as a sort of testing league regional where everything is allowed, even the stuff that's not been officially approved. And there's a very good reason for this that I'll actually talk about later in the podcast. As a kind of bonus prize, um, I'm going to be putting in one of my spot glass Vinto promo cards as a number one prize for this tournament. So if you're in the UK, or if you feel like flying over, we'd love to see you there. And in other
0: words, as we all know, because it's a Spot spotlos, you are definitely going to come over even if you're from the States, right, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Big ask. Oh, also, I failed to mention this in our introduction, uh, in case anyone is wondering. So. Clearly, Isaac is easily recognizable as British, so it makes sense that he is from London. David and I live in London. We clearly do not have British accents, so we are actually um, from the States, so we're from California. In case anyone was wondering. Anyways, moving on. Um, um I also heard that there is a um, IACP regional in Denver coming up the 24th of November, so very exciting there, um, and in other news, uh, there is a um, an Imperial Assault League, a three month league that is being run at Firestorm Cards in Cardiff. So if there is anyone in the Cardiff area that's interested, there there's a, a big prize kit. Uh, I think. You play your games whenever it is that it makes it convenient to you. You report your games and you get some prizes. So that looks pretty cool. Uh, But that's it for my organized play news.
1: All right. So I am super excited to talk to you guys today about our kind of knowledge and defense segment. We'll be going over some really old but uh, well-researched ideas from the Magic the Gathering community. Um, These are called Psychographic Profiles, and the original Wizards of the Coast article was actually written in 2002. And since then, there has been another uh, more in-depth follow-up article and numerous videos and things that you can find on the internet. We're mainly going to focus on stuff from the original article, because it gets very complicated very quickly as people add more and more depth to this thing. And we'll discuss it in the context of Imperial Assault. So the main main goal that I want to point out here is that the idea is to really give people some insight into why you might find certain things in the game fun, while other people do not. And I'd also like to point out that these are very one-dimensional profiles and most people are going to fit in, you know, several of them, if not all of them. So what is a psychographic profile? Um, basically the, uh, people at Wizards of the Coast have identified a couple of profiles that represent their player base so we're trying to think of what kinds of people play a competitive game in our case a competitive skirmish game and there are three main types right the first type um we'll call timmy as as uh, in the original article and with timmy you just imagine a little kid going into a game shop They look around and what do they see on the shelf? They see the Rancor. They see Darth Vader. They see Boba Fett. And they're just like, oh, cool. Tons of health. Big attack. Super awesome. I'm going to buy that. They want to win big. They want an epic showdown with Darth Vader charging through the map like in Rogue One, obliterating all of the rebel troopers and kind of winning the day in a very dramatic fashion. Right. So, uh... Timmy-type players, I would say, are motivated by fun. They're very young in heart, not necessarily young, though. Um, They love to play, to be social, and to be with the community. And being with their friends is a big part of what brings Timmy enjoyment. Um, Just briefly, uh, well, in terms of design, Timmy players are not too hard to design for. You get the big iconic characters, you make them strong, but you don't make them hyper-efficient. And Timmy will be happy. So things in Imperial Assault that can help this will be really cool abilities or uh, actually big dice pools that are kind of swingy. So when things go your way, you're unstoppable, but there is a chance that you just fall flat.
2: Also giant models, okay? Just bigger models. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, the second type of player um, is is kind of a complex one. So the Magic community calls them Johnnies. And this represents someone who really likes a challenge. So they want to win using things that nobody else wants to use. You know, so maybe you like something like uh, HKs or uh, you like Lothcats, or Saska, um, it's very important to Johnny that they use their own deck. So they want to show off their creativity. They want to win, but they want to win in innovative ways. Uh, Johnny's kind of enjoy the list building aspect almost as much or even more than, than playing. And they really focus about the combos and interactions. So everything is about the quality of the wins rather than the quantity. They don't have to win every game, but they want to win games where their list comes together and and it it plays really well. And then the last type of player um, they call Spike. And Spike is a tournament competitive player. So Spike likes to play to win. They generally will go for whatever best deck there is. Um, sometimes they'll use other players' decks. They'll copy a decks off the internet. The, the rush that Spike gets is really from the competitive adrenaline rush and from outplaying their opponent gloriously. So they don't mind if they're playing a mirror match. They just want to win uh, based on their skill. They really care about the quantity of wins. Rather than the quality, so if Spike goes to a tournament and wins nine out of ten, um, loses only one, they'll still feel bad if they believe they should have won that last one if only they had played a little better. So that's that's kind of the Spike mentality. Um, so before we go too much further, uh, I can I can say that you know there there's no wrong profile to be right They're They're all awesome. I think as tournament players, we all have a lot of spike in us. Um, I think especially with the Star Wars IP, a lot of us are going to have a big part of Timmy as well.
2: All right, David, thanks for that introduction uh, to these profiles. Um, so what we're going to do now is discuss some of the different examples uh, from Imperial Assault um, of the what kinds of things uh, different types of players like. So I'm going to start off with some Timmy cards. So some classic examples are things that were, they've already touched on, things like really big cool models we've got the rancor we've got vader we've got very iconic heroes you've got your luke's and leia's and boba fett like really really cool heroes and villains um that grab the attention and are flashy maybe they have cool abilities um so that kind of thing so I think Timmy is the most straightforward, like David said, to um, build cards for.
1: Well, I think um, we also have the big stuff like the ATST, the ATDP, and the Rancor, or not the Rancor, the um, the Bantha, big, huge models.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just really, really big, making their statements known. Just really, really making a mark in their own way. Really cool. Um, I'll jump in on next with the spike cards I suppose. So some examples of spike cards would be something like the elite stormtrooper. In IA there aren't that many specific spike cards, it's more of a spike list. Usually to create something that would appeal to a spike player you would require... essentially spike usually can't be summarized into one card, it would be how a list works. Because, again, Spike refers to a player who really enjoys ultimate efficiency, more or less.
2: Well, you do have, though, the case where some cards are just very stats efficient. Like the amount of health, the amount of average damage for the deployment point cost. Um, So you do have those kind of points efficient cards.
1: Yeah, I think one big indicator is if people try to run the maximum number of uh, a certain thing. So like back during the trooper meta when people were running two elite stormtroopers and then some people were even trying to ally in more troopers just to get extra, extra elite trooper activations or even farther back with the four royal guards and four officers. Like anytime we've got you know, a huge number of repeats of the same deployment, they tend to be spike cards. I guess weakways might be an example of that in the Hunter meta. Precisely. And other examples of spike cards as well would be,
0: like the Ugnaught Swarm, I think, is probably one of the strongest, or or at least most prominent, spike spike armies. There are some figures and... Um, lists which are debatably spy cards you some could would consider them spy cards some some might even consider them timmy cards uh just for example brought up vader as a timmy card you could you could make the argument that vader is a bit of a spy card as well because he he does have very strong stats i personally don't agree with that i'm not sure what you guys think about that
2: so i think that it really depends on why you're putting that particular figure in your list. So if you're putting them in your list because you just think they're really cool, um, then that's a classic Timmy, right? Um, But if you're putting them in because you've heard people do well with that particular list, then that would be more spike, right? So for example, let's say that you uh, don't really know so much, you, you don't do much competitive play, but you run Vader because you just think Vader is really, really cool. But if you are around the scene a lot and you see Vader lists do really well, so you're like, oh, I'm going to try playing Vader, then that'd be more of a spike move. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I I, th- I think that's a good point.
1: I think, uh, I think Vader's actually a really interesting case because he kind of takes us through all of the three profiles. Um, Vader himself, I guess when he was released was definitely a Timmy card. He wasn't wasn't so reliable. He was super expensive and kind of hard to play, but you know, he's Darth Vader, right? If you get stunned, you're, you're really sad. Uh, But then his, his upgrade card comes out and his efficiency just goes through the roof, right? Uh, With his end of round attack. And it also gave him a reroll on attack. I believe. I don't think he had it before. Something I mentioned before is that Timmies kind of don't care too much uh, about the consistency of, of the card, right? So if Vader rolls really well, he just cuts everyone in half. And that re-roll really adds a little bit more to the spike viability of Vader. Um, and then I think actually later on with Unshakable and Parting Blow, Vader kind of went into the johnny camp a little bit but we can talk about that later very true another archetype which
0: i strongly consider spike i know that a lot of people disagree with me here i consider specter cell to be a very very spike driven or at least in orientation how in how it's performed i do see it as a very very spike list um, I do know that um, David and Jess disagree with me, so I'll let them put out their arguments and then. So, wh- why why do you guys not think that Specter Cell is Spike?
2: I don't actually completely disagree with you. Um, I, I think again it goes with the points efficiency. So with the original, uh, Specter Cell uh card, it was just so strong based on just points uh so every single attack got that extra bit every single attack coming against you got that little bit extra block it was very point efficient um, and so you didn't necessarily have to play so well in order to still um uh, come out on top in a game you could still make mistakes and come up on top but that would still annoy a spike player if you had a list that was that, uh, complex, but you played it badly, like you made mistakes. Um, so I definitely feel this is a debatable thing, but also the specter cell team is really cool. Like I am a really, really hardcore rebels fan. And so when the specter cell, um, characters came out in imperial assault i was really really excited and then the whole controversy about it being overpowered really kind of soured playing it so I was, it was quite sad to me because i was really excited to play those characters um but yeah i, I think it's the it's the efficiency of that uh, that just the sector cell card itself not even the characters what do you think david
1: yeah so i i think that when Specter Cell was originally designed and kind of released, it, it was pretty clear that they were targeting kind of the the Timmy mentality, right? They wanted to tie into the show. They had cool characters. Um, and they, they had these really neat abilities. It definitely didn't bring much for people that you know wanted to make their own list because you couldn't make your own list. It's it's kind of the anti Johnny, right? You just you just play this thing that we hand you and and enjoy it. I I would say that kind of before the nerf, it was definitely the the sort of mistake that turned it into a spike list, but even then there were a lot of people that really just liked Spectre cell and they were playing it like that. Um, and then, you know, afterwards, uh, at, at this point, I don't think it's strong enough to be a, a spike list anymore, basically.
0: I think that's completely fair. The reason I see it as a spike list is yes, there, there may be Timmy players who play Spectre Cell, but ultimately I still see Spectre Cell as a spike list. The main reason for that is that it's pre-built. It, that doesn't ing- that doesn't lean close towards oh, that wouldn't appeal to most I, I not not all but most johnnies because there's there's very little creativity yes there are combos you can pull off but the combos are a direct result of all of the cards have been are forced on you to be used together so it's, so there's none of the okay, well, I, I'm I'm creating this list, and as a result, I gain the force user synergy. It's just, okay, I get this list. Okay, let's look at their stats. What can they all do? How do they synergize? So you're not really creating any combos. I mean, t- to be fair, there were certainly combos that were created by the community, but as it's, it's a combo created for a pre-built list, how personal that is going to feel to you, I don't think it would satisfy most Johnny players.
1: Yes. So- so I think the the real kind of nail in the coffin there is just the number of people that really felt they were forced to play Specter Cell say at worlds because it's so strong. But um I think we should maybe move on and kind of leave that dark time behind us. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's enough about Specter Cell, I think. Agreed. Agreed. Uh maybe Han Han Oh,
2: oh, your favorite. Let's bring us on. Let's get. Let's get in there.
1: My second (laughs) favorite.
0: Okay. Um. Honestly, oh, this is a tricky one. I think Han has elements of all three, just like Vader. Um, but I think that his dilution of the three is a little bit different. I think that Han's raw stats, they're good. His raw offensive stats and damage capability is just some of the best in the game being able to attack up to three times around being easily able to hit nine in nine spaces away and being able with easy access to focus i mean han's maximum damage on an attack roll is nine which is so strong so those stats do make him spike i'll admit that however he is not a survivable figure if you misposition with him at all, he's going to go down in a rain of fire. Unfortunately, not much of that fire is returning. So, essentially, I feel like Johnny players, they would feel more connected to Han than Timmy players, because it's less of that straightforward, I'm going to do this, and boom, 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 boom. There's less of the static, amazing stat line, there's more of the intricacies in playing him. To be fair, there are spike cards, and one could argue that an intricate list is still a spike list, even if it's not just easy to play. And that's that's certainly fair. Um, but with how I see Han, I see him as... Yes, he's got the Timmy element. He's, he's Han Solo, and he's cool. I mean, that's awesome. So he does have that Timmy element to him. But for me, I, fi- I, I think he's standing on a very precarious knife's edge between spike and johnny because i think that a lot of combos are built around him but he he still does have very strong stat lines just directly from spike so i think he's a he's a nice hybrid between the two
2: for me i think han uh i would put him in the spike camp because i really like han solo as a character in the films but i don't think his card and his abilities capture his uniqueness like it, it doesn't feel so much like you're playing Han Solo when you're um playing Han Solo the the character in Imperial Assault so,
1: oh no way I, yeah, I would I don't, so I disagree don't with yeah. that uh, Yeah yes so, I mean yeah, I, Han's, I absolutely Han's card right is uh, I make your own luck or if I make my own luck. Okay, most people don't play that card, but it, it's very Han. He's just like I'm going to go first. You know, you've got an extra take initiative, and then he's always running away. He goes on the lamb.
0: Ex- exactly. I, I I get a very strong Han Solo vibe whenever I play Han Solo because it's always that Han is not someone. Well, essentially, because every time you use him. You basically just recreate the scene from the Death Star when he charges recklessly into the army, he sees a giant army staring back at him, he shoots them once and then he runs off back away. That, that, that's basically what he does, and every time someone shoots him, he shoots back, which, I mean, to be fair, that isn't really very thematic, because we all know Han shoots first. So technically it should be whenever an attack is declared against you, you get an interrupt to perform an attack, but... No, I, I'm not saying Han needs a buff, I'm just saying for thematic <laughs> reasons. It, it's purely for thematic reasons. It's nothing to
1: do with the fact that I'm, I'm a heart rate which I play. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the the point isn't to really categorize the cards so heavily as one thing or another, but kind of figure out which aspects of them that, that we really like, you know, and, and why we want to play these cards, right? So Han... Han, I think, is a really good example. Vader's probably a better example, but we'll, we'll do Han first. Because Han does have a lot of really cool card interactions, right? The, the problem is, if there is one, is that some of the card interactions are so strong right now. Uh, and I that's why IACP kind of brought down on the lamb a little bit. I, I wouldn't say that he's he's overpowered, but I think he's gotten so many cool tools that he just naturally ended up being attractive to spike players when he does offer a lot of kind of list building and combo opportunities also. I mean, he's, he's the heart of the, the smuggler box. Exactly. I agree with that, to be honest.
2: Shall we segue into Johnny's smuggler box?
1: <laughs> yeah, so I I mean we could we could endlessly go through all of the cards in Imperial Assault and it'd be a lot of fun. But let's move on a little bit. Uh so Johnny cards. I think you know here's where I wanna kind of take a pause and and just talk about how johnny's are one of the most important groups to design for uh so it's not that that johnny's are kind of more important than the other two types of players but it's because johnny is responsible for uh, as Tomas put it uh, when we were chatting the other day what you call emergent gameplay and and new metas right So really cool kind of offbeat lists come out of Johnny and it it really makes the game alive. It gives it a soul. So when you're designing a new wave, it is really important to think about, you know, what cards are in there for these list builders, right? So uh, maybe a couple of quick examples of Johnny, Johnny lists the the first one that comes to mind is is the smuggler's box i mean back when i first read about it it was it was just so awesome right you got you got your 3po and your mhd And i think back when i, I first looked at it you had jin and the the old han that still had his uh, his distracting abilities and you kind of just stood there and you could weather any any amount of firepower and and that was just so awesome it was a really cool combo um, you could take it apart, and it had kind of bad map control, but it it won in a unique way, and it used some figures that a lot of other players didn't right And I think a a more recent you know iteration is is that lover's box that's been doing really well. uh other cards, I would say you know let's we can go back to the Vader example actually. So Darth Vader came out as kind of a a more Timmy oriented character. Um, then he got super buff when he decided to kind of become driven by hatred and really entered the spike camp. But Unshakable actually gave gave Vader quite a lot. So with Unshakable, suddenly you could do cool things with Parting Blow. And then the the, uh, the infamous dark, dark energy command card <laughs> becomes useful. You know, you had all these tricks where you wanted to move people one space. You wanted to hit them twice, and then you could force choke. And Vader's um, named command card, that, that master of evil, is that what it's called? I think it's called Lord of the Sith. Lord of the Sith. Okay. Vader's command card, Lord of the Sith is a really cool combo card right it it looks terrible at at face value because you look at it it's three points which is a lot Uh, and it gives you extra actions but he's not allowed to choke twice he's not allowed to attack twice um so okay you get more actions but so what but then you combine that with, uh, with your cards that remove conditions. If you've got two parting blows in your hand, if you've got single purpose, suddenly Vader can really go on the rampage. And it it may not be so competitive, right? It might not be um, kind of the best or the most powerful combo there. But when it when it works, you can absolutely demolish an entire list I think uh, Johnny would really love to see that happen. Uh, I think another example I had in mind was Headhunter, which initially was pretty terrible. I don't know if either of you ever tried playing with Headhunter.
0: I could have sworn I've done it once or twice, but <clears throat> never to good effect, to say
1: the least.
2: I can't remember. David, can you remind me what, what that is?
1: Okay, so Head Headhunter is the attachment card where when you cause something to take uh, one strain instead of discarding a card from the top of their deck you can discard it from their hand by exhausting the card
2: aha okay interesting
1: yeah and it, it was one point and originally you know the the ways of triggering headhunter were to like put it on ig or or some trend hunters or run them at your point opponent and shoot them at point blank. Um, but then, then chopper came out and headhunter chopper is actually really interesting, right? Because now, now chopper kind of sits there and and he can run up to the terminal and system shock as the last activation. You know, he he'll, he'll damage your terminal sitter and then he can just discard a card from your hand directly, which is super terrifying. <laughs> if you're playing the the han or uh, ig88 and you've got something like blaze of glory in your hand right you start wondering oh maybe uh, i need to do something else maybe i can't leave anyone next to my terminal because chopper has this one in 5 or 4 chance of just dropping my my critical card now
2: i want to put chopper in my droid list now <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, and I really find
0: it to be such an interesting combo. I mean, Chopper, Chopper, Chopper was scary enough. I would say Chopper is one of the most annoying figures in the game, just because whenever Chopper is strong in the meta, which obviously was during Specter Cell, you needed to have someone tank you could put on your terminal, which means that's just a bigger investment, and it's, Chopper screws with list building more than many other things in the meta which is interesting how just one small droid can change so much.
2: But he's so sassy, that's why.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Chop, Chopper is, is so interesting. And I think it's actually pretty pretty ironic that the uh, one of the best Chopper counters is to just throw Sabine on the terminal because <laughs> she can heal that too and then sit there and spray graffiti on the ground and not care. Unless he's, he's system-shocking with Headhunter, you know? Oh. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. I, I can see... So, so Headhunter is an example of a card that came out, and it was quite a few waves before it became interesting, right? And there, there are a couple of things that I've gotten my eye on in, in Imperial Assault that are currently pretty terrible, but are are almost you know on the way to being decent so the the first first one is this uh under duress <laughs> and and the kind of set of command cards called escalating hostility right so under duress i guess for those who aren't super familiar with these kind of bizarre cards is a uh, is a skirmish card um where when your opponent wants to prevent damage from taking strain by discarding command cards off the top of their deck they have to discard two cards
2: okay i'm just going to point out that in an event recently alistair was playing this combo and i actually to save a figure that i really wanted to do stuff with i had to ditch six cards in one activation Uh... i lost my assassinate (sighs) and my tools and like it was painful but i mean the, the 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 on the flip side though is that um after i lost like they couldn't do very much because they had invested so much in this strain mechanic they didn't have so much uh alistair didn't have so much uh Kind of offensive stuff so it, it was interesting but not quite there yet but some johnny out there might make it work I'm looking <laughs> forward to it
1: yeah so i i assume it was the escalating hostility that made you take the yeah so okay under duress is cool and then you've got escalating hostility which could be good but i i really don't like for some reason so it's a it's a one point command card i think and you can have three of them in your deck and they the first one makes you take one strain the second one makes you take two strain and the third one that you play makes you take three strain so once they've got all of them out that third one hits so hard it's like a it's basically like an assassinate right especially if you've got under duress and it's a little later in the game. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that's that's a really cool mechanic that, you know, started out being incorporated way back in the early days of Imperial Assault with, with under duress. And then, you know, FFG came out with Bosk who threw a yellow grenade that made you take strain and the, the ideas were there, but they kind of just weren't competitive. And they've been adding, little by little, more things to try to bring it up. I think um, I'm only going to give one more example, because I, I really want to avoid going through the, the entire Imperial Assault set. set. Um, and that's Darth Maul. So... Darth Maul, I feel, really wants to be a Johnny card, uh, but something happened to him in between design and release, where his his abilities they just don't work. Like they they don't combo with anything. Half of the things that you want to try to play with Darth Maul just specifically have have been ruled to kind of not be able to be played right so he's got this really cool oh you can't be defeated until you activate but then if you can't be defeated you don't trigger a bunch of things and then if any other card says then you become defeated it just overwrites things and it's just a huge mess so i don't know and in, in the future darth maul may have his day i i have I almost have this sense that if a bunch of kind of uh, rules, rulings went a different way, Darth Maul might be awesome. something to think about. I find that really, really interesting. Um,
0: I actually have been running Maul in IACP. So one of my current favorite lists um, I call Scum Sabers. Essentially what it is, is you have Maul, you have Shila, and then you have Temporary Alliance to get in Ahsoka and Diala. So those are four very different melee figures. And then you also have the Jawa to pull in, R2, and Threepia. Threepio for the focus, R2 for the card. And what I love about this list is that these four melee figures are so diverse and different. And on face value, you don't think that there are any combos that would work very well with them. But I have three force users. And I have three brawlers, because Diala, Maul, and Shyla all are brawlers. And then you look at all the push mechanics the list has automatically. Shyla's whip, Diala's push, on top of any other push cards I could have in my deck. So, so, and this is, I think, a pure Johnny, uh, an absolute pure Johnny example. Um, so what I've done in some games is have Maul run up, punch someone a couple of times, and then, after they've already activated, and then Shyla runs up, she whips the same one that Maul just attacked, pulls them towards her, on the- during the move, Maul then proceeds to do a parting blow to deal even more damage, which then moves, um, the figure after taking now two Maul hits adjacent to Shyla and then she hits it and the, the amount of damage you can do with that combo it's it's the passing blow combo except instead of vader slicing everything up it's it's a team of ragtag melee figures just beating everything up it, it's such a fun one and it really reminds me of that because i find maul to be strong but 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 he's not because the thing is he's not broken <laughs> basically he's not broken that's why he isn't considered good he for the icp cost of six He's pretty fairly balanced if you can build a list that appeals to him.
2: I feel like there is this really intense feeling of satisfaction too when you win with the B team, you know?
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. especially if you, if you, I don't know, grab IG and just drag him halfway across the map to his doom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> uh. Oh, you thought you were hiding back there? No. <laughs>
0: Shiloh runs in as she whips you out. And then Diala runs in as she force pushes you out. Then Maul runs up and he face to faces you out. It's. Uh... Oh, oh, sounds, I, I love that list. It's like so, so much. much fun. It, it really is. I, f- I completely recommend it to anyone who wants to try it. And again, if you want to go try out that IECP league on Vassal, you could give it a try. It's such a fun list. I love it.
1: Yeah, so actually, that, that was. Kind of a, a big point I wanted to make in, in that there is this kind of sense of pleasure in finding these really interesting interactions and, and breaking cards that sound absolutely terrible, right? And this is a, a reason that part of your, your product or part of your design wave <clears throat> should usually be reserved for these offbeat cards. So this is actually a a big challenge for IACP in general with an open testing league because when your cards make it all the way to the accepted stage, a lot of the combos will have been found and kind of played with. And Johnny doesn't like that, right? (laughs) So if if you think you're a Johnny player, actually... I, I would really, really recommend that you play in the testing leagues because everything is fresh. Uh you you might get a chance to play with some stuff that doesn't even make it into the actual game later on. And that's that's a really interesting experience. So definitely give it a shot.
2: For all you Johnnies out there, that's your chance to break the system. Break a good.
1: Yeah, Do I it. think uh so so on the line of you know kind of relating to one of these profiles and figuring out which one you might be or figuring out which one you want to be i think we we can go ahead and tell you a little bit about what we think of ourselves maybe i like that idea uh jess would you want to start
0: on off and see where on this scale you put yourself
2: Sure. Um, So for me personally, I very much self-identify as a Timmy. Um, This is especially true for when I play for myself, like when I play casually. um, I definitely identify as a Timmy character. Now, I don't necessarily uh, play the like biggest and most awesome and like coolest units. But for me, I really just gravitate towards units that I just like for whatever reason for some reason i just love jet troopers i mean okay for me personally actually a lot of it is the mini okay so a a real nice looking mini like really gets me i'm like oh i just really want to play with these these little bits of plastic but they're just amazing i'm also a painter so i do a lot of painting and that's a big part of my enjoyment of the game Um, So, for me, I self-identify as a Timmy. I like the look of the minis. I like characters that I just enjoy. Uh, I like the character. And um, I really like putting together, like, thematic lists. Like, I I keep obsessing over this all-droid list. I'm going to make it work, y'all. Okay. Um, And uh, I, I just really have these particular figures that... I, I just enjoy. Uh, like, Thrawn is one of my favorites. Um, I really like IG. I really like the Nexu. Like, I like the creatures. Uh, even though David's cornered the market on that one. So, you know, you have to share. Um, but in tournaments, actually i i've got a quite a bit of spike in me um so at tournaments i really like playing efficiently i like having a list where i know what i'm doing and i get really angry at myself when i make mistakes um and so i will take lists that uh are successful at tournaments and try to make it work mostly because i don't get so much practice uh, competitively so um, if I have a chance like I, I, I usually try to try to get something in there that's good versus something silly but um, yeah I mean uh, I did take uh, Specter Cell into uh, top 16 at Nationals <laughs> after never having played that list ever before so that was a little bit silly um, yeah so definitely uh, at competitions, uh, I kind of tend a little bit more towards spike, uh, possibly just because um, you know I just I, I want to 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 not feel like I' let myself down because I uh, made silly mistakes or I, I made really terrible choices. Uh, so I just like okay I'll, I'll play something that I know works and I know i'll I'll, I'll have a good go at it. Um, yeah, uh, so that's kind of my, uh, my 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 choice. And so, um, like David was saying before, these are not set in stone. Like, most people will be a combo. Um, and definitely, though, there are certain times where my Timmy really comes through. And even if there's a really, really good unit, like, for me, my personal pet peeve is Palpatine. Okay? He's just too ugly to play. I just <laughs> literally I just I can't even paint this mini, okay? I just no, he's too evil. He's too ugly. Never. Never. Okay? Um so <laughs> on the other side, so my favorite models are I just love little droids so much, guys. I'm going to make it work. Okay? Uh, yeah but um, what do you guys think I've played with both of you before
0: I would definitely agree with with what you've said I think that you are a Timmy player at heart but sometimes Spike does come in through and I mean honestly that's not a bad combo um having a lot of fun as a timmy player while still being able to slip into a spike mentality for a high-tier competitive game i think that's an awesome mix because it allows you to enjoy the game in both of its aspects it allows you to enjoy the star wars thematic aspect of it whilst still you know going to tournaments and being a proper contender So, yeah, I definitely agree with that.
2: Yeah, as you've noticed, though, I have not mentioned Johnny. Uh, Yeah, I do not enjoy list building as much as painting minis, playing the game, uh, talking to people about the game, uh, meeting people, you know, enjoying other people's company at competitions. Yeah, whereas... um, uh, other players like really like finding these cool combos and things. Yeah, I, I don't uh, that's not that's not my jam, really. like so list building is is not my my favorite. Um, but yeah, the other two definitely identify with quite strongly.
1: Yeah, I think that that's pretty much spot on for you, but it it brings up a really interesting point, I think, and that fits really well with this sort of theme of self-reflection. In, in that you feel like at tournaments, you want to be Spike. And I, I think there's definitely that sense of, you know, if I'm going to a big tournament, you know, I want to kind of not let myself down. I want to do well. And that that pushes that that inner Spike out. So I, I have a, maybe a question for you in that do you ever – have a regret that you didn't play something super crazy and that you played, you know, so at at Nationals, you played Specter Cell. I think you actually made top eight. so better than you remember. (laughs) But do you, when you think back, do you wish, oh, I I wish I had taken the Rancor instead of Ezra (laughs) or something?
2: No. See, because for me, because I don't, play a lot like I wasn't tired of Specter Cell because I never played it before so for me um, I really wanted to see what it was like Uh, so for me also I really enjoyed the Rebels characters so I didn't regret playing bringing that over something else Uh, the only thing that I was kind of holding me back was the whole like it is it being overpowered people having bad feelings towards it uh, was the only kind of maybe mini regret that I had that is like people just didn't like playing against me. Not nothing to do with me personally, but they're like, Oh, specter cell gross. So that was the only thing that kind of really uh, was a bit of a downer for me. Um, But because like I I can, I can find other times to, to play silly list. It doesn't have to be at uh at a competition um and i also want to mention that i really enjoy playing against johnny's i like seeing cool combos and i like being beaten by things that are really unexpected and surprising so um i think that's also really interesting to consider is that what kind of things do you enjoy about your opponents
1: that's really interesting uh how about you isaac what do you think about yourself?
0: Oh, well, I definitely got to say that I am absolutely a Johnny player. I do lean close to Spike in some aspects, but whenever I'm prepping for a tournament, I go in full Johnny mode. Like I said last last podcast, I've been playing Han Rangers basically since the foundation of time itself. And I love Han Ranger so much. I know some people dislike it and that's completely fine. But <clears throat> for me it's all the combos, careful play, especially how it values positioning. Positioning in Imperial Assault is the utmost important for me. Importance for me. Um But yeah, so I've I've really evolved my Ranger's playstyle, or even Han Ranger's playstyle over the years, so I remember the very first event I took any sort of list to was just before the UK National Championships 2017. Um, I went to a local tournament, um, actually the one ran by Firestone Cards. It was the store championships, and I ran Fen double regular rangers. It was very very interesting, and I and I loved it so much. But it was all about creating that combo um, of. Because the regular rangers aren't that great when they're unfocused, if they're suddenly getting an extra attack from Fen, that can sometimes become pretty scary. And it was just stuff like that which I really found so much fun to do. Um, Then from there I moved on to the double elite rangers for the Nationals that year and managed to make the top eight. Um, And from there I've had I think about five different Han rangers variants (laughs) once I started incorporating Han when Shadows of the Empire was released. Harding the Empire, sorry. Um, so I had the Triple Smuggler 8 activation list that I started out with, went on to the 9 activation. I touched on the 8 activation Double Smuggler, but with R2 and incredible card draw. I've had Spies Han Ranges and then this specific Han Rangers list, which is a 9 activation um, Spies Han Rangers, which I'm. Taking two french nationals but that's really what's always been my focus it's been okay here's this archetype i love this is what i see the meta is at currently how do i try and adapt that to try and make it as spiky as possible without directly going for spike so a reason why i'm not a spike player is i have never touched Spectre Cell. the only times i've ever run it has been to help friends practice how you run it there was one time on release day where I ran Spectre Cell against Alistair. No, I didn't like it.
1: No, it was not fun. I remember that game. I was, on the, uh, I was on the train back from Nationals, and I just got a text from him saying that Lothcats are garbage and Spectre Cell is overpowered. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he was accurate in at least one of those statements. Um, but yeah, so that was especially big for me in this world season. I stuck true to my guns. I took hard rangers, despite a Spectacel meta on Mauls map. Let's put it this way: I love the game now, but there was a period when you constantly practice and revise against Spectacel on Mauls map. It gives you PTSD, and I think that's also the thing that Jess spoke about. Some players simply have been burned so hard by Spectacel that they never want to see it. Competitive ever again, and I'll be honest—I consider myself one of those players. Not because it's a dumb idea; the idea of running them together is is a fun, Timmy-like idea. But it built less than how it does. It's—I no, <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, so for that reason, I really consider myself a Johnny player. I've run really unusual cards. Anyone who's listened to my previous podcast episodes and some other podcasts. Um, might remember that I ran Marksman in Vader meta days because it was so annoying to me how you would just run Vader and a bunch of jet troopers and then hide Vader behind the jet troopers. So my solution was, well, what if I can shoot him anyway? So I ran Marksman to UK Nationals in 2018. managed to get second place there, ironically losing to a Vader list, but hey. Um, <laughs> it, it certainly did help shooting through those body blockers. Um, in the Shadows was my absolute favourite command card there for a while to europeans in 2018 as well
2: uh remind me about what's that one again
0: yeah so in the shadows is smuggler or hunter use at the start of the round until the end of the round hostile figures four more spaces away from you don't have line of sight to you
2: oh i see which is that
0: <laughs> matter of just it was sniper versus sniper with the occasional vader the capability for me to double move my heart into the middle of the map onto a bunch of objectives and then my opponent is like, okay, well I've got four weak ways who are all focused up. They're about to absolutely annihilate you. I play the card. No. You now can't see me. And again, if he leaves his his Han really exposed, and he knows and it's focused, and he's like, Okay, well, if you shoot me, I'm just gonna be able to shoot you back. Nope. I'll play this card. So now you now you can't see my ranger. My ranger moves up, shoots Han. Han can't return fire because he doesn't have line of sight. It's Screwed over so many of my opponents, and I had so much fun with that card. It is a raw Johnny card, and that is what I live for with the game. It's creating those combos no one sees coming, and don't, and do really well with those.
2: Yeah, the see it's, this is really interesting because I I don't personally. Uh, identify as Johnny but I find it so interesting to play against Johnny uh, players and they'll play cards where I'm like what does that do and uh, some people might be really annoyed by that but I don't I just find it really interesting I'm like touché well played sir
0: yeah exactly I mean um, and other examples uh, I'll just um, finalize but another command card which I which I played before it was good at all, because now I th- I do see a lot of lists using it, but back then basically no one did. That's stimulants, because I was running that hard rangers list. So you have Han, you have tr- three smugglers, you have Hera. That's five smugglers in your list who can use a movement point, uh, sorry, use an action to give a movement point, do a damage, and do a focus, and that is absolutely massive. Um, there was this time on Brett's live stream uh, Brett Kelly, um, where I, I had this game against a Vader player on Vassal, and I blew his Vader up, but he had, um, second chance, so Vader was still alive. (laughs) So then, in the beginning of the round, Vader was adjacent to Han, and I decided, okay, Vader has a, a couple of health left, Han, unfocused, shoots Vader, deals almost enough damage, so Vader lives on one. Han then plays stimulants to kill Vader
2: oh nice it's
0: pretty stimulating (laughs) exactly hilarious (laughs) and my and my opponent brett they went they went bananas um because they didn't see it coming and those are the moments i live for it's surprising my opponent with a combo which does really well
2: and makes them flip the table yeah i
0: mean not to that extent but that's also why i'm a hybrid between johnny and spike not johnny and timmy because for me getting it to work effectively is more important than having a fun combo so for example some strain train lists they might be fun if you have a lucky game where you manage to draw all of your strain cards whereas Uh, with the combos i have usually they're more automatic and they happen in my games so i'm more likely to be able to use them
2: got it so you kind of want to get those combos that you can more consistently pull off but they're different than what other people are doing
0: precisely exactly and yeah so that's what i've always done it's what i always loved and yeah so that's definitely how i would see myself and what about you guys how, how do you see me as a player
1: um so from my perspective i guess i always saw you as more spike than johnny probably some some johnny because you did always have a slightly different han rangers every time we met <laughs> <laughs> i think we've, we've played a couple of times over the years at, yeah. at uh, regionals and things uh, but I think it was mainly because that during this time, Han Rangers was so prevalent. It's, it's really easy to kind of be like, okay, he probably really likes Han Rangers because they're strong rather than it's something you've always played starting with the, uh, the Fen, Fen Rangers.
0: Yeah, exactly, and and that's um, that's something I completely get. But essentially, my first the first variant of Han Rangers I ever played, which was the um, Han Rangers Hera Gideon three PO triple smugglers, um, it it was a variant which was commonly used. But the reason I felt so close to heart with it is that I created it for myself. Others had already created it, but <clears throat> what I did was I took okay, so I have my double Rangers list. I'll incorporate Han and I'll incorporate this awesome idea, which I saw from a friend of mine, Ollie, that he was running triple smugglers and they were so annoying to play against. So i decided said, okay, let's throw them in as well. And then since then, it's just been poking at that Han Rangers build. So yes, um, uh, I definitely get how some people have gotten the impression that it's been just Han Rangers are good, so I run Han Rangers. Um, it was more of a, I love this play style, so I'll do it and it's good, so I'll play it as well. But now, especially now, because very few people still run Hunt Rangers. I was either the only one or one of the only two people at Worlds who ran Hunt Rangers. and yeah, it's a, it's a, it's the list I made my name running, and it's what I love. Um, but yeah, that's very very interesting that you see me more of a Spike than a than a Johnny. That I definitely have Spike moments, but yeah, I've definitely been Spike in some aspects. But that's very interesting. How about you,
1: Jess?
2: Uh, I see the thing is, though, I don't see your list building part of it because that's kind of what you would do kind of behind the scenes. Right. Um, So but from your explanation, it makes sense to me uh, because I feel like, again, it's how you come to it. So because you focus so much on list building, you. Uh, put so much effort into it. You enjoy it. You enjoy making these tweaks. That makes you a Johnny player in my mind. Um, but I also get a strong sense of spike. You practice a lot. Um, so you, you get, once you've got your strategies down, you then perfect it. Like you you practice a lot. You know all these angles and all the maps. Um, so that to me is where your your spike is really showing. Uh, but definitely I, I, I agree with your, with your combo, Johnny-Spike combo.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a it's a really cool example because you you kind of identify as a Johnny player and you love to kind of find these little variations and find cool combos. But kind of within this profile, you acknowledge also that you very much have a lot of Spike, right? And to have a lot of fun at a tournament, it needs to be good as well as interesting and that's that's kind of something that you know i think this discussion was really meant to kind of help people see you know okay so what do i like to do and then what other things do i need to do in order to really enjoy my experiences with imperial assault
0: exactly and that's really what just makes this so amazing but yeah I I do definitely agree with that. Um, I'm more of a more of a Johnny player to get my list in place, but once I ha- but once I'm decided on my list, then I go into spike. But then I really just like just said maximize it, get get all the angles, get all the practice in. Yeah, that, that's that's a really interesting way of looking at it. But uh, moving on, David, do you want to bring up how you see yourself?
1: <laughs> okay, so I. I think um, I'm probably very much in the Johnny camp uh, with, with wanting to run a unique list and with liking to play around with weird stuff. I think a lot of it, a lot of kind of which profile I identify with has been influenced hugely by the game, by the IP. And by the community, though, so I'll, I'll explain that in a second. Um, so Johnny, definitely. I mean, I I always want to play something a little strange. So I think my first year where I went to a nationals, I played an Ahsoka list. Um, before that, I played Rancor lists. Then I I played Lothcats, um, and after after Worlds the recent worlds i was actually working on a saska based rebel list to combat specter cell as well so that that said though i actually really do identify with that enjoying a challenge aspect of it so in, in almost every game i play i i don't mind at all kind of losing every match for months and months and just really trying to crack that, that one kind of overpowered thing or trying to, you know, improve myself along the way with star Wars themed things. though, uh, there's just something about, you know, the, the universe that brings out a lot of the Timmy in me and, Things like uh, Lothcats and, and Rancors, I just I just love them. So that's a, a huge influence. And I, I think also the other kind of influence that brought out a lot of my my Timmy side was the Imperial Assault community. Right, um, it's just so friendly. I think I've made so many friends within the Imperial Assault community within Zion's Finest I remember last year when I was preparing for Worlds one of my my main motivators was okay I'll be happy if I can win one of my games at Worlds but I want every person who plays me that day to have a fun and interesting experience I want them to enjoy having played me and I, I really wanted to come up with something a little different in order to accomplish that. In other games though, my my to me side often disappears. So when the community is not quite as warm and welcoming, you know, the the people aren't aren't the same. So we, we say a lot of the time that the IA community is just so amazing. And I just I just can't Kind of emphasize that enough because in in many other competitive games I've played, I am almost a, a pure spike because I don't have that desire to kind of make sure my opponents have a good time. Um, sort of hanging out with you know new friends at tournaments wasn't a priority, and that that really has a big impact on which of these profiles apply to me in in that specific instance in imperial assault though there's always that fight internally where i kind of ask myself hey you know there aren't so many IA tournaments this year if you don't play the rancor you know are you gonna regret it later even if you do pretty well and the the answer was uh Somehow, usually, yes, so I have brought weird, weird stuff to a lot of my events.
2: I think you bring up a really interesting point that this isn't uh, just purely something that your personality is based on, but it's very uh, game-specific and community-specific. I 100% agree with you about the IA community. It's super nice and super welcoming, and I always feel very comfortable there. yeah that's that's a really interesting point
0: absolutely and especially when you look at other games as well like 40k for example in 40k i'm very specifically i'm either faulty me or i'm full spike i'll either just have just the most fun army i have or the most powerful army i have i'm not usually looking for combos and i i agree that is a very interesting concept because it's completely true how How the game, the play style, and the community around you all really are external factors, all contributing to what your attitude is to your list building and to your gameplay.
2: I think this is also a really interesting point in game design. So if you're designing a new game, you kind of want to think about, okay, well, what kind of... Uh, these personality traits. Do I want my community to end up having? And you can bake that into your mechanics, right? So I think that's really an interesting point.
1: Yeah, something I actually realized is um, so we're we're talking about a a kind of set of ideas that came out of uh, Magic: The Gathering, right? Um, and I, I played a lot of Magic many years ago. I played a lot of draft. I played online Magic. I played some in-store Magic, and I realized, you know, that with Magic, I actually preferred to play online. I didn't want to see my opponents. <laughs> I wa- I wanted the computer to just sort of handle all of those complex rules, and I just wanted to sort of fight you for the prize packs and then be on my way. Whereas for Imperial Assault, I find that i really prefer playing in person um much more than i enjoy playing on vassal and when i was playing magic at store events there were definitely days where we were playing a draft or something and it got to about 11 or past midnight and we still had kind of the final game to go for the championship of that draft and i would just you know, throw my cards in the bin and say, all right, see you guys. I'm going, I'm going to go get a burger and go home because I don't care. Whereas I don't think I would ever forfeit an Imperial Assault match that way. That would just be ridiculous.
2: Well, I think this is really interesting too, about some uh, competitive events have a dropping games culture right? Like, uh, I'm not going to name any names here. uh, But there are definitely some games where um, people uh, calculate how many games they need to win in order to get certain prizes. And if they don't get that number of wins, they'll drop and do something else. Whereas in Imperial Assault, I have very rarely seen people drop. And when they do, it's not because they didn't want to keep playing. It was for some other reason. They had to go, they had some kind of other thing that real life thing that impeded on that, but it like Imperial Assault doesn't have this dropping after you lost a certain number of matches. Culture, you you play out all your games because you come there to play the games, not just to get the prizes. You come there to see the people to play the games, which I think is is really makes Imperial Assault so unique.
0: I definitely agree with that, but I will say that I think that is that that is a bit of a result of the fact that our community has reduced so significantly over probably this last year, because um, I remember in the European Championships of 2017, I did know a lot of people who dropped because, oh, I went I went
2: 0-2. Yeah, that's a fair point.
0: Yeah, and because the only people who still stuck around with IA were the people who were really, really passionate about it, which is why the community is so great. Um, but there definitely were times where we had more players who weren't as passionate about, it, about the game as we are now, which, which obviously is fine. I mean, every, everyone to their own. Not everyone can have IA as, they, as their main competitive game that they love to to the moon and back. But I do think that that's one of the main reasons why there isn't that much of a drop culture anymore.
2: Anything else you wanted to say, David?
1: Uh, well, what did you guys think that I was?
2: <laughs> oh, I definitely feel the Johnny, because... Okay, because I hear a lot of this guy's crazy ideas at home, okay? He's like, what if I do this? And I'm like, all right, you try it. We'll see what happens. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and uh, he's like, I'm going to play Lothcats." I'm like, okay, all right, you're good. You're you're really going to take that to Worlds? Okay. (laughs) Um, But definitely, I I also very strongly uh, feel the Timmy. Because you just have this, like, enjoyment about, like... Like handling these models. Like, okay, you have to also understand, like, David gets t shirts with Lothcats on them. He gets t shirts with just, like, stuff that he likes on them. Like, it's it's not just about, uh, about the game, it's just about concepts and, and themes that he likes. So, yeah, I definitely feel Timmy Johnny hits it on the mark. But, yeah, actually, on the day, Uh, your spike does show uh, because you just have a very analytical mind and so once you've got your crazy idea and you've got your concept you put your list together uh, you do focus very carefully and play very precisely and logically Um, so when you're actually sat down in the competitive game uh, you will try to play really efficiently with the list that you have um, but yeah, I, I feel like that's a good roundup.
0: I definitely agree. Um, I would certainly put you in a mixture between Johnny and Timmy. Like just said, you do have occasions where your Spike does show through. But I would certainly put you, if I'm more on the border between Johnny and Spike... I would put you on the border between Johnny and Timmy because I know very few players who would go to an event and just say, well, you know what? I'm going to run the Rancor. And you have... Because when you're planning on running something really competitive, you are one of the most John, Johnny players in the community. I mean, obviously, you, you made the Lothcats amazing when no one thought they could work. But usually a lot of people who manage to do that Um, Like, say, Kenny with the Smuggler Box, or myself with, say, Stimulants, or or something like that. Usually those players are more prone to stay in the Johnny-slash-Spike segments, whereas you are able to, yeah, essentially you have a good balance between the three, because you're able to really go all Johnny on your competitive list, and then once you've got it really locked down, you fall over into Spike, but you still have that capability to just say, well, you know what? I'm going to be Timmy for the day. And you run the Rancor and then surprise everyone when the Rancor suddenly attacks 20 times in one round, which um, is that silly little Wild Fury, single purpose, double brutality, amazing (laughs) combo, which I I saw with my own eyes and I was just, um, but it's those sort of things, which I think is just, it's really cool. So yeah, I think that's how I would, would explain it
2: guys we have a pretty fun mix that was really cool conversation
0: (laughs) I agree that was that that was absolutely amazing thank you very much David for suggesting this for the
1: podcast no problem I've got all kinds of similar ideas for future topics
2: (laughs) we'll spread them out we'll spread them out (laughs) um So what we wanted to talk about now is basically what we hope you've got from this segment. What we hope, what, what our takeaway message is. Um, so Isaac, do you want to start us off?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So I think probably the most important thing to keep in mind is that even though we're comparing them in different ways, none of these profiles are better than any of the others. Timmy is going to have a great fun time whenever they do stuff. Johnny is going to have a great fun time whenever they do stuff. And Spike is going to have a great fun time whenever they do stuff. None none of these are more prone to have fun. None of these are more prone to be better in most ways. Obviously, Spike is, just by objective fact, better than Timmy in tournaments. And I mean lists, not specifically players. Um, but yeah, that is something very just keep that in mind. Even though we're comparing them in a bit of a critical eye, that does not mean that any of them are better than any others. A pure Spike player and pure Timmy players, both are amazing members of the community and there's no reason why any one is better than the other.
1: Yeah, I think uh, that that goes more into a different kind of profiling because how good you are at sort of executing is not necessarily related to what kind of lists you want to try. Agreed. I think this discussion, another goal is maybe to help people figure out how they can get the most enjoyment out of it. So a good example is when Jessica said, you know, she really likes Timmy, but then at tournaments, she really has a better time if she kind of brings out that spike a bit to try to get the most out of the day.
2: Yeah, I feel like um, it's not so much that uh, one person- personality type over another would have more fun, but I think if you uh, are playing in a way that doesn't actually match up with your personality type. So let's say, for example, that um, you are really a timid heart, but you feel pressured to play spike lists and then you're going to competitions and you're not really having as much fun, but you're doing what you think you should be doing or you're doing what you think you'll have fun doing. So I think that's a good conversation uh, to have with other people as well as to reflect upon yourself. Well, am I actually playing lists that I will have the most fun with? Uh, So I think that's a really important conversation.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's pretty obvious when... A game has a bad meta, so the obvious Spectre meta, which we've probably talked more about than I wanted to already, is, is one example, but, you know, every game has them. So Imperial Assault had 4 by 4 way back in the day. You know, X-Wing had triple Jump Masters. You know, these, these sorts of things. When something gets so strong that it forces johnny's and timmy's to kind of play that sort of list that they don't like it ends up being a bad experience right and this this is something that you know as as kind of developers now in iacp and and in some of the other community projects i think it's really useful to to keep an eye on you know we We tend to want to balance things to a certain power level so that things are, you know, even on the playing field and everything is viable. But raw strength is not really, in my opinion, the best thing to balance for. Because Spike will always be able to build a spike list. That that's that's just fact there will always be something that is statistically just very slightly better than the other things and you don't need to make that thing you know on purpose but a game can easily lose you know its soul and lose the the johnny aspects if you don't pay attention to that
0: that was very well said and i think on that note That might just wrap up the podcast. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Um, Jess, do you have any closing thoughts before we head on out?
2: Yeah, I just want everyone to have fun. That's it. That's all. I just want everyone to have the maximum amount of fun.
1: Perfect. How about you, David? Uh, Nothing else for me. I mean, thanks, everyone, for listening, and I hope you look forward to future discussions. Absolutely. We are going to have so many more episodes
0: in in this style. And yeah, this was really, really fun. I'm looking forward to making more of these. So thank you very much everyone for listening. Please consider giving us a review so that the podcast gets spread around to more people. If you are on Instagram, be sure to give us a follow at instagram.com forward slash built on hope IA with an underscore between each word. Yeah. So until the next episode, see you later.